Shalom, shalom, everyone. Welcome to Outpouring Fellowship Ecclesia Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Neal. And with me is my co-host, uh, Matt Matthew uh, Patton. There we go. Yes. <laughs> you did it right. Man, yeah. All right. <laughs> For a minute, I was about to go back to Peyton. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I don't know what it is about your name, man. I don't know. Oh, man. But anyway. <laughs> oh, that felt good. Anyway, guys, thank you for coming on to the podcast. For those who are listening, um, yes, it is good to be back here. Uh, and Malcolm, we're from Down Under, Australia. We are so happy to have you uh, with us again, man, uh, to continue on the topic of biblical manhood. So welcome, Malcolm. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, how are you filming both tonight, hey? We are doing good. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be here. It's always good to be here. Yep. Yeah, amen. Amen. So, guys, like yeah, I said, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, um, our, um, you can always reach us uh, live here on Rumble on Wednesday mornings now at, at nine at nine a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would be six a uh, a.m. Um, uh, Pacific Time, right? Yeah, Pacific Time. Yep, that's the one. Um, in Matt's direction and from Australia. Uh, what time is it, Malcolm, over there? I'm in uh, Perth, Western Australia, and it's uh, just after 9 p.m. here, Western Standard Time, Australia. Okay, okay. All right, all right. So, anyway, you can reach us at at that time on Wednesday mornings. Uh, You can also, if you want to listen to the recordings on our YouTube channel, just go to the YouTube channel, Outpouring Fellowship Ecclesia. Uh, And you can also listen to your your favorite uh, podcast platform. You can reach us also at our uh, email that you can reach both Matthew and myself at outpouringfellowship at proton.me. Also, you can reach my email at calebmeal at outlook.com. Uh, we're both on Truth Social at Caleb Meal and uh, with Matt at tech uh, underscore freedom. And you can reach me at Instagram at Caleb uh, underscore meal and at Telegram with uh, for Matt at uh, Matthias76. Uh, and the background music that you are hearing right now is uh, uh, from Indie Folk Background KL Productions. So, it is good to be on here, and I'm really looking forward to uh, diving in again on this topic of manhood because, as you could, as if anyone is is paying attention at all, it, the enemy is attacking uh, manhood. Is attacking again one of the designs that God said is good. So I'm looking forward to deepening into this uh, topic and talking about how we can apply what what it is to be a man in in, in the eyes of God, uh, how to act like it, and you know how to uh, what what do we and what is it that we should be standing for. So okay, again, I'm looking forward to this topic. Let's take it away, Matt. If you want, if you something you want to uh, give an intro or anything. Um. Offhand, I think. Okay, so number one, everybody, welcome. Um, we're going to be talking about the Ecclesia Home Fellowship. Same thing, <laughs> just to be clear, um, and how that balances, how that works out with calling dudes into biblical manhood. And we're going to be looking at it, well, in brief, because the life of David is, uh, eh, need more than an hour to cover that one, <laughs> uh, like in depth, Very. but we'll, we'll kind of touch it. Okay. And if you want to know more, you can take a look at first Samuel, second Samuel, um, and study up on it on in your favorite translation and actually we we've, we've just recently been talking about translations here for, for the podcast um and there have been some some complaints lodged <laughs> about the about the translation we've been using um and i want to clarify that the reason that that particular one has been used so far is because 
I have personally found it helpful because it says things in a different enough way that even with very, very commonly, uh, commonly used passages, things that are super familiar to those of us who've grown up in the church, um, it tends to breathe a new or different life into these very familiar passages. Um, so that's why we've been using the Passion Translation as much as we have. Um, that will be changing moving forward. We're still kind of finding our feet in terms of what that's actually going to wind up looking like. But that we will be using something a little bit more mainstream for the most part and using passion for uh, sort of counterpoint. Like, hey, if you're, if the way this is saying things is kind of obtuse or something, why don't we take a look at this one and go, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's more understandable. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, and as far as today, we're speaking with our good, our good friend, Malcolm George, as Caleb mentioned, um, and we'll be going over the life of David and how important it is for men to be involved with small groups. And not only small groups in a traditional church setting, but ecclesia, because there is more life that happens in small groups than could ever happen in the context of a traditional church. So, all that said, Malcolm, why don't we, why don't you take it away, bud? Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate that. Hey, um, I thought we'd just start off with uh, a really powerful scripture. Uh, and then I'm going to quickly pray. So uh, this, this is not to do with David, but it sets the scene. This is from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I think that encapsulates what we're going to be talking about tonight. Because uh, we need to be men of courage, men of wisdom, men who know the Lord and are led by the Lord in, in all that we do. So I'm just going to quickly pray. Thank you, Father, for everything you've uh, done for all of us tonight. I just thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and your strength and your wisdom and, and what you're going to do uh, and speak through us tonight. And we just thank you, Lord, for everything. And I just pray you bless everyone listening to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's get on with this. So um, you might remember uh, very recently we had a podcast where we had a uh, we were speaking about us uh, so we just started to talk about King David and why he um, was such a man after God's own heart and you know King David uh, he was he's was such an interesting character because he had some incredible traits that God loved and it even says in the Bible that uh, David, David was, a, was a man after God's own heart. And I, I, might, I think I'm, I remember saying that, um, man, I would love to have that testimony from God where God spoke that about me. Wow, Malcolm was a man after God's own heart. I mean, what a, what a powerful testimony. What, what, a, what a powerful um, uh, thing for, for God to say about you so David because he was a great man of God and he also had weaknesses and we can learn from that but one of the key uh, points about King David was that even when he failed even when he after he sinned he admitted his sin he confessed his sin he truly repented of his sin and turned fr from that sin and went after God and that took great humility and it took um, uh, wisdom and 
by doing that, it allowed God to move in his life. Now, there were still consequences for his sin. Uh, like, as an example, after David, you know, he had a number. of sons to different wives and there was uh, as king after he passed away and even while he was still alive uh, he had uh, a rogue son who tried to take the throne from him and David even left his throne and had to come back to take it again uh, and his son ended up losing his life uh, as a result of that so there were big consequences for big sins that he made in his life but God forgave him of those sins and he was able to use him powerfully for his purposes. Uh, so let's just talk about David. Um, it says in uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14, that David had a heart after God, as I said. Well, far from perfect, he had a passion for spiritual things. He, he, he and part Part of the evidence of that was he moved the Ark of the Covenant to David and planning and funding the future temple. Now, he did not build the temple. You might remember that his son, King Solomon, was that the one who built uh, the, the, uh, the temple to God. And it was actually considered uh, in the Old Testament probably the most beautiful building that probably was ever created because it was filled with gold and all sorts of incredible uh, structure. But David got the plans from God for that particular te uh, temple and he, he got, the, got the funding for it for Solomon to build, but he wasn't allowed to build it because he was considered a man of war uh, and he'd shed lots of blood, you know, through all of the uh, wars that he'd been involved with over the years. But he had a heart for God. And when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem from basically the countryside, uh, he actually didn't look up the instructions on how to do it correctly and put it on a cart. I don't know if you remember that story. When he did that, there was a man who tried to, to touch the cart to, st to stop the Ark of the Covenant or to stop the Ark of the Covenant from falling off the cart. And when the man touched that, that uh, Ark of the Covenant, he actually lost his life instantly. And they stopped everything and were saying, why did this happen? Because he did not obey the Lord about how the Ark of the Covenant was to be brought back to Jerusalem. And according to the law of God, it was supposed to be brought on the shoulders of the priests of Israel. Uh, that is the correct way to do it. So there had to be four priests, two on each side, uh, one from front, one behind on both sides, and, that, and they were to take it on their shoulders back to Jerusalem. And after they did that, there was no more issues. But David had a desire to honor God and put him first, which is why he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and made the tabernacle. And you might remember in the Psalms, it talks about that uh, under the shadow of the Almighty, that he, he would worship the Lord. He was literally in the shadow of the Ark of the Covenant when he was doing that. So uh, when, when, he was, when he was talking about that, so that's, that's just some of the context there. But David was the worshiper. And this is, this is one, of the, one of the things that, that really attracted the Holy Spirit to David was that he um, honoured God uh, with his words uh, and his actions. Now, I know he made mistakes, but let's talk about what he did do for the Lord. So uh, he, he honoured the Lord with his worship and he always would ask the Lord first before he would go to battle. Lord, do you want me to go to this battle? Do you want me to, to go down this path? Do you want me to go after? There was a time when he was... Um, the Philistines had stolen all of his family and his stuff. And he asked the Lord, do you want me to pursue them, Lord? You know, is this the right thing to do? And the Lord said, yes, go after them. And he got everything back. And uh, there were times when uh, the 400 mighty men of David, which... which were a group of uh, people that uh, nearly left him, nearly decided... That you know, threatened him with his life if he didn't go and get that stuff and, and win. So he was under pressure. He, he knew he went through um, some extremely tough circumstances in his life at different times, some high and low seasons. And but he always turned to God. And I think that's one of the key things that we can learn from out of David, that 
we don't run from God, we run to God when we're in trouble. When we've got circumstances that arise, it might be financial, it might be to do with a relationship, it might be to do with um, uh, other circumstances that we're going through in our lives, it might be family, it might be friends. Uh, we, we should run to the Lord and ask him, Lord, what should I do in this situation? How would you like me to honour you? How, how can I um, show people that I am Christ-like and I'm living for you? How do you want me to operate or, or, or work in the situation? And because David did that, he had a true heart after God. And I think that's one of the key things that we can take out of take out of this. Um, when so, let's talk about uh, a made one of the made. There was two major mistakes in my view that David made in his in his life. One of them was counting the children of Israel who were in the army of Israel. So we're talking about those. Uh, men who were 20 years or older, he did a census of the army of Israel. Now, the, um, he, he made the mistake of not following the biblical way of doing it. And the men were supposed to give a half ransom, which meant half a shekel uh, when they did this. But this did not happen. And as a result, this, this caused the ire of God to come against uh, the army of, of Israel. And 70,000 men a plague came against Israel and 70,000 men lost their lives because David did this census. Now, like in the modern context, we have a census every five years uh, in, in Australia, and I think it's the same in America. And, yeah, I think um, it's 10, but yeah. Okay, 10 years, sorry. Uh, every, you know, every five or 10 years, and you sort of think to yourself, okay, um, like it's just a census, who cares? But the issue was, the, uh, the reason that God got got upset was they didn't do it the biblical way and two they were relying on their numbers to be able to win wars rather than faith in God and just being obedient to the Lord and by being obedient to the Lord he would give them the victory that was the key point and because because of that 70,000 men lost their lives so that to me was a major a major error in David's life and the other obvious one is that he put um the husband of Bathsheba, whose name was Uriah, to the front of the battle to try and make sure that he lost his life because David decided to sleep with his wife and commit adultery and, and actually got her pregnant and um, wanted to cover it up by, by getting Uriah to go and sleep with his wife, but he refused while, while uh, Israel was at war. And as a result of that, David ordered basically his death so he committed adultery, which led to murder. And it was uh, a great disgrace. Um, but as horrific as that is, and there's no way that you can patch over that and say, oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay. There is no way, you know, from a biblical perspective that that, that, that is okay. However, once he'd committed those sins, uh, Nathan, a prophet, actually came to him and spoke to him about uh, uh, gave him a story, which was actually about David, but he, he, he couldn't tell that first because he said, "Look, you know, there's this man with uh, there was a shepherd who uh, who had a great number of sheep, and then there was this other shepherd who only had one sheep, and the man who had many sheep, uh, the shepherd had many sheep, went and took the one sheep that the other shepherd had, and that just so enraged David, he said, "Well, bring me this man, and I'll take his life, basically." And Nathan said to him, "That man is you, David." Was putting the finger of God right on him, and it was all about using an analogy to say, David, you took the wife of a poor man, Uriah, and you're a rich man, mm -hmm. and it was such a disgrace. But he he confessed his sin immediately. He got down on his knees and repented, and, and, and asked. He he sought the Lord genuinely for forgiveness of his sins. He confessed it. He admitted it. He asked for forgiveness of his sin. And because of that, God forgave him. Now, there was still, like I said, major consequences that came from that, which, was, as I said earlier, played out uh, for the rest of his life over many years with, you know, fights between children that he'd had for who would be the, the uh, next king of Israel. But the fact is, God did forgive him of his sin. And the fact that he was willing to confess his sin 
and and willing to repent and turn away from from doing that actually shows that he he, he was a, a godly man that in spite of his sin and in spite of the fact that he'd uh, done such a horrific thing god did forgive him god did blot out his sin and psalm 51 actually just talks about this very issue david wrote psalm 51 and he confesses his sin and talks about the the, the mercy of god and um I think we can learn a lot from that because you know we all commit sins not necessarily to that level obviously but you know we all need forgiveness of our sins and just think about what jesus said he who hasn't sinned and cast the first stone and he said that in reference to a woman who was caught in adultery and uh it was basically a setup to see how jesus would react and jesus said okay well look how we know the law so you know it's very very easy to point the finger oh he did this or she did that well yes but what have we done and this is why we have to have um, forgiveness for others we have to have grace and humility uh for for others uh grace for others and, and we have to show humility so that god will give us his grace and mercy and uh towards us as well so it was an amazing thing that uh uh David actually showed this kind of humility because normally kings are very arrogant and very prideful and very rarely show humility, very rarely um, ask for forgiveness and, 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 and seek repentance, but he did. And that's one of the reasons why he was a man after God's, God's own heart and, and God loved him the way he did. And another major thing about David, which is quite rare, especially in the Old Testament times, was that he only ever worshipped God. He never worshipped a foreign God. He never worshipped idols. He never around Israel. He only stayed loyal to the Lord God of Israel. And that was also quite unique because unfortunately, if you look at his son Solomon as an example, you know, he married many, many wives and turn to these foreign gods that, that uh, these women that he married also followed. So David was loyal to God, Yahweh, God, however you want to say his name. And that was one of the things that God loved about him. And that's one of the unique things about David. So that's some of the things that really made David quite unique. Uh, and uh, another obvious thing, which we did speak about last time, but I'll just quickly briefly go over it, was uh, the whole David v Goliath fight. So uh, Goliath was coming against the uh, armies of Israel and mocking them in their face and trying to call a man out. Say, whoever wins the, the fight between you and me will, uh, will win the war and uh, will take the other's country. And um, this went on for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, David, who was at that stage probably only a, a teenager, was the man who stood up and um, and actually took on Goliath. And he, and he said, you know, who is this man, this this uncircumcised Philistine that, that uh, mocks the army of God? And uh, and uh, he was the only one who had the courage. He was the only one who had the courage to actually fight uh, this huge big man. And uh, he was, you know, he was like a, you know, it was like having a, 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 a four or five foot man against probably a nine or 10 foot man. So he was like a grasshopper in his sight. And yet he didn't go there looking at his size. He went there with faith in God that who is this man who mocks, he, but he was a skilled man and he defeated uh, a lion in the past, he defeated a bear in the past. And he went there with faith in God that if, you know, the same God that that helped me take the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will help me take the, the, the hand of this man and, and take him out in Jesus' name. And that's what he did. And so he was a man of great courage as well. And I, I don't think that can be underestimated. And uh, he led the armies of Israel with uh, with a fierceness and with, with an authority uh, because he knew who his God was. And I think we...
can learn a lesson from that, that circumstance we're in, no matter what giant we're facing in our life, that we go with the Lord God Almighty with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I think that's a really, really important uh, thing to remember. Would you like to add anything to that, Matt or Caleb? So, yeah, I mean, that, that was a pretty good summation. Mm. Um, Agreed. The like, one thread that I'd like to pull on is like, you know, you guys, this, the point of this entire podcast is putting forth that the, the ecclesia is the way forward, right? Not the traditional church. Right. And so how does, how does this tie in with the story of David? Well, Malcolm mentioned the mighty men and there was a group of 400 and then there was a group of 30. It was the group of 30 that had, that basically revolted at one point um, as they were running away from, as all of them were running away from Saul because Saul was hunting David and they had lost, uh, they had been raided while they were out and their wives, their kids, all their stuff got taken. And they were beside themselves, understandably, right? So the way that, the way David worked that out, and it took some doing, but it was during that time in his life that he was probably the strongest in terms of uh, it probably in terms of righteousness at least beyond you know when he was just a shepherd uh, because he had his mighty men around him to speak into him to uh, help him kind of get things straight because as he became king well, he stopped going out with the army. He stopped uh, being as involved with the people. That was his strength while he was running with his mighty men. Mm. Because they, they just did life together. It was, it was not an issue of, oh, well... Should we do life? No, they were doing life. And that's what Ecclesia is about, right? That's, it's, we choose to covenant with each other. And a lot of these, a lot of the people who were following David early on were those who had been disaffected, were those who had been hurt, were those who had been uh, deep in debt, had been deep in obligation to the system under stall and there was no way for them to to take care of that under the extant system so they gravitated to David and found forgiveness found fellowship found strength that they otherwise wouldn't have had um, and some of the men who became David's generals. Joab was one of the mighty men, was actually one of, there was an even smaller group than the 30. I think there was a group of 10 or something like that that was like his, uh, his tightest group. Uh, and they did some ex like extraordinary almost, things. Almost superhuman feats. Yeah. The 10. The 30 were pretty amazing, but the 10, man. Like, they were, some of them were known. They, they, they just, you know, in, in the word, how they were written, they were described for a certain act that was just incredible. That it's, it's, it's not reality. It's almost like you would think uh, fictional, you know, that like the heroes and all that, but this is reality. This is what happened. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you, it's almost like in the story of Samson when he takes up the 
the jawbone of the donkey and kills of all thousands. things. Of all like, things. Like what? Uh, how, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. Yeah. What that actually means, we're not 100% certain. And maybe it's almost hagiographical. Hagi yeah. Lord have mercy. Basically, okay, let me let me unpack that. Hagiography is a, is something written about a saint in church history. Okay, mm -hmm. and usually usually those sorts of documents would be fluffed out, like make the person seem over and above anything that could have possibly been real. Uh, at least from our modern standpoints, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was... So that's hagiography. That's looking back and going, oh, these people are amazing, so we should canonize them in, you know, in the Catholic Church. Um, or in the case of Israel's history, these mighty men, or things that Samson did, things that Moses did, things that David himself did, that in the natural make no sense. Right. Like, how did that even happen? How did, how did David manage to do the thing with the stone with Goliath? Right. Like, that's mind-blowing when you really sit down and think about it. Yeah, because you could and, easily miss, and yet <laughs> it, na it nailed him. He didn't even use the other five, uh, the other four, but again, we know he was going to use those four for Goliath's brothers. But you, you, yeah, you get the point. <laughs> so yeah, the the point that I'm trying to make here is that David, when he was running with his mighty men during during the time when he encountered um, Nabal and Abigail, when he spent time in uh, why can't I re remember the name of that town um, where he act where he acted crazy uh, he actually worked with one of the Philistine kings for a while uh, I want to say it was he was it was an Abimelech can't remember the name of the, the wasn't Ekron was it anyway uh, maybe Malcolm can look that up real quick. <laughs> I'm kind of looking myself. I don't think it's Kalia, but I... Go, go, uh, go, Caleb. Uh, okay. Um, I think it was the city of Kalia, but anyway, um, just adding to uh, what Matt and what Malcolm has have addressed. This is the reason why it's important that ecclesia is, is important, that community is important. Because also the other the, the other thing is to avoid being, you know, um, the center of things. You know, being because uh, you know we tend to, people tend to go to use excuses. Oh, I like this church because I like what the pastor teaches, or I like what the you know, or, or so on and so forth. I like how the the pastor structures this again and again. Nothing wrong with that. But then we tend to, you know, make it more about that than seeing that how how Lord how the Holy Spirit is moving through the pastor, how how you know how the Holy Spirit is using this pastor, and you know it made you know it, we put we put the people first, and that's almost human nature. And we gotta we gotta die to that. We want to see how the Holy Spirit is moving through individuals, and and again, not make it about the pastor, but about the body leaders are important but they're not the center and and, and i'm saying this because i got to be reminded of this of myself um when we pray um before we come come on we pr I, pr I pray that you know any self-centeredness any anything that that the enemy will try to use that we that we rebuke and we die to because again it's not about us it's about him and how we allow him to use us how we want him to how we allow the holy spirit to minister to us to uh whatever whatever the re whatever whatever the day that the holy spirit has planned so we just make him the center and when with what matt was talking about with david after he after this in a way the struggle of like running away and you know and finally 
you know, sitting on the throne and becoming officially king of all Israel, then that's when the trouble started. He he became we we don't know all, all the details, but we know we see what Matt addressed that he stopped going to battles, he stopped getting involved with people, and then before you know it, he was uh, going into all these directions because he he was he just looked like he was just a hot mess. So his focus um, his focus diff, uh, um, was turned to other things instead of his focus toward the father. For whatever reason, we we don't really truly know what happened, but we do know that his focus went off. And yep. it was due to the fact that, uh, for for not for him not keeping his eye, uh, his eyes on the Lord, he didn't either whether um, whether he didn't seek you know help whether from the prophet Nathan or from his from his ten um, mighty men that he spent with you know for year with with for years. And this is why community is important. Solitude, there's always importance to that because we need that solitude with the Father, but we need that community as well otherwise we're it, you know being alone all the time it, it'll get the best of you no it'll get the worst of you <laughs> it, will, it really will get the worst of you you like, need that what? community to help sharpen one another to and to you know get your mindset off of you and to individuals mm -hmm. we're not designed Thanks to go to my Rambo. Name. i just want to No, I agree. Can I just add a, a point to that, Caleb and Matt? Yeah, cool. There's in my, there, there's three Gs that can bring a man of God down. Gold, glory, and girls. If a man <laughs> falls into temptation and commits fornication or, or adultery, that can bring a man down. If a man gets tempted by going after getting rich, like as in gold, that the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While coveting after money, some have strayed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And the other big mistake that you can make, that, that uh, a man of God can make, is thinking, and I, I, there's a classic example in the Bible of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he was the king of Babylon. And he said, he, he said something to the effect of, look at this great kingdom that I built, that I made. And it was at that moment. Mm -hmm. that, that God brought him down. After talking about the glory, look, look at me, look how great I am. I'm the greatest. I'm the king of, in, 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 in talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm the king of Babylon. I built this. I did that. You know, and God brought him down to his knees. And he literally became like, like a beast of the earth, like an animal seven years after that i know that sounds strange but that's what the bible says and um now there is there is a solution to all of this i'm going to read from first timothy chapter 6 verse 11. um it's directly after what i just read it says feet but you O man of god escape these things the love of money etc and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience and gentleness fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you are called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses i command you in the sight of god who gives life to all things and in the sight of jesus christ who testified a good confession before pontius Pilate, to keep this commandment without blemish blameless until the appearing of our lord jesus christ which he who is blessed and only ruler the king of the kings and lord of lords will reveal the proper time he alone has immortality living in unapproachable light whom no one has seen nor can see to him be honor and everlasting power amen in other words going back to the key point here fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life and remember that uh the way to escape all these temptations the things which lead you astray from the lord is uh having having uh, being righteous, having, keeping your eyes on Jesus, um, living by faith, um, living in, in in love with the Lord, and love those, uh, love your neighbour as yourself, having patience and gentleness. And I think that's just a really good way to look at these things because it's so easy just to to fall into temptation of so many different fronts. And you look at the world around us, you know. It's always, you know, filled with temptations. Oh, I'd love to go and do that, or I'd love this, that, and the other. 
It's like, okay, this is sometimes we need to uh, just stand still, hear the voice of the Lord. So, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, where do you want me to go? What what uh, career pursuit would you have me to do? Um, and how how does this come back to Ecclesia? In a small group where everyone is. A is equipped to bring a message of hope. It might be uh, a, 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 a message of faith that the Lord's given us or uh, whatever it might be. It might be a song that the Lord's given you in your heart. You, the Lord's called us to be in communion with each other, to have a tight group that Matt was talking about before, like David had his group of 10 really tight people up with him, so that you can you have people around you that can, that can that, that both will strengthen you and you can help strengthen to keep you on the right path. And I think also being accountable, when you're in a small group, you can be accountable to each other for your faith and how you're living your life. And are you falling into temptation? You know, are you, you know, are you struggling in any area of your life? And let's face it, we're all human. We've all got weaknesses, uh, strengths and weaknesses. But, you know, in relation to the weaknesses, that's why it's important to have people that around you Men, men and women of faith who can help lift you up and, and keep you on the right path. I mean, it's ultimately between you and God, but having people around you that, that, that are of like mind and, and, and like heart uh, is a major help. And when it's not just a group that goes to a church on a Sunday and just hearing uh, a man or woman speak from the pulpit, but in, a, in an ecclesia, we're all contributing. I think that's the key, one of the key points where we're all mm -hmm. called by the Lord to bring something to the table, so to speak. Um, and someone else might have something for us, but we also come to give. And the, the Bible talks about giving and receiving. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, giving and receiving. But if we come with something in our heart to give, then, you know, uh, we are more blessed by giving than receiving. But it's also a blessing to receive as well. So... You know, it's it, that's what the kingdom of God is all about, and that's what ecclesia is about. Uh, it's about being part of a group, but it's also about taking down strongholds of the enemy. And um, I know that uh, we've uh, spoken about some of these things before, but you know, so part of it is about keeping each other on track. Part of it's about giving and receiving. And part of it's taking down the strongholds of the enemy in our community, and part of it's about. Uh, fulfilling the call of of God in our life and how we can uh, do what the Lord brought in an ecclesia. Any thoughts, Matt or Caleb? I mean, I think you nailed it pretty well there, uh, Malcolm. It's ecclesia, unlike church, well, home fellowships, unlike church it's it as Caleb was saying earlier it's not about the individual behind the pulpit or on the podium or on the stage it's about each and every person involved growing this is about growing helping each other to grow in the Lord it's uh, you know, it, it's about fellowship, yes. It's about uh, sharpening one another as iron. Mm -hmm. It and whether that's men with men, women with women, or a mix, it doesn't really matter. But right now we're talking about men. So in the context of Ecclesia, like one of the things that was hugely instrumental for me when I, when I sort of came of age, for lack of a better way to put it, when, back when I was in high school, early college, was being involved with a men's small group, which in retrospect was basically an Ecclesia. Mm, yeah. Um, it was, I was the youngest guy in the group. 
most of the guys were my 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 dad's age or older. Um, and they just they they'd speak into me. I'd and you know I'd bring whatever I could, <laughs> whatever whatever limited input I had at the time, um, and that group went for like two and a half years. It was only supposed to go for like six or nine months. But we stuck with it. We just kept at it because we loved each other. And it was just, it just made sense to keep going. Um, and that's, that's the power of Ecclesia. It's relationship, it's community, it's, um, and as that, as those relationships form, as that community deepens, you'll be, you will each be more comfortable with allowing the others to speak into your life because you've seen how they operate over time. And you've seen how the Holy Spirit operates in them and through them. That will make an enormous difference in your life. So find a group that you can do life with. And do it. Don't, don't be afraid or ashamed of some some sin you've been struggling with. Everybody struggles with something. And allowing that to disqualify you or keep you from what you were designed for is the height of folly. And the enemy loves it when we do that. Do you want to do something the enemy loves or something he hates? Definitely something he hates. And Ecclesia will help us to, to grow to the point where every moment, every morning when we wake up, the devil goes, oh crap, they're awake. Whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. That's what Ecclesia is meant to do. It's growth so that you can become a more effective member of the Lord's army. And on that, just to be more, and to be more like Jesus, you have mm -hmm. a heart like Jesus, you have a heart of worship, the things that Malcolm addressed, to a, a heart of humility, a heart of repentance, a heart of, 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 um, of just love for one another. So again, the, 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 the issues that we deal with or whatever, you know, or maybe our self-centeredness that it would die and become selfless and, and to uh, serve others. What Jesus talked about that I, the, the Messiah didn't come to, to this earth to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. so, so again, it's all about serving the ecclesia, serving the community, being, being, Jesus is our rock, but at least, but, but, for lack of better terms, just being that rock figure for other people, you know, kind of like what Paul uses that. I wish you'd be, you guys would act more like me because I, I, I try to Im imitate my, uh, the, the Messiah, the savior, you know, just, you just using that example. Um, we, we, uh, we need to be, we need to be that kind of, that peculiar people so that the people can see that, oh, wow, this is, this is possible. But it's possible because God was in the center of it, not not by our own doing. We were just obe being obedient. But it's because of God, it, it made it possible that that community can, like this can exist. Mm -hmm. And that that's the point. It and as we're growing, we go and we grow in terms of multiplying these home fellowships, these ecclesia, because that's what, that's part of what constitutes the kingdom. And that's how we 
uh, advance it by force. Uh, it's not it's not literal force of arms. It's not going and grabbing an, uh, an AK or a, or an M16 or whatever. It's learning to grow in the Lord and being equipped so that when he gives us assignments, we can carry them out. Because most of us right now are not in shape. We're not in shape to handle the big assignments that he wants to give us that are necessary that we were designed for from birth actually before birth but you know yeah so home fellowships ecclesia it's not church as you know it there you go <laughs> like, it's better it's it, it's better like i feel like we should sort of recap exactly what ecclesia is because we we throw it around mm -hmm. a lot um so ecclesia is at it at its most basic a unit think a military unit like no more than 12 people because once you get more than 12 you the dynamics start to shift and people who might be a little bit more uh, introverted will start being wallflowers and not really being involved because they'll get intimidated by the numbers. Okay, so it's a military unit. It's a unit of government, actually. Mm. Because the turn, if we go back to when Jesus used the term. And Ecclesia was a small group of people that was sent from Rome to replicate Rome somewhere else. So how does that work for us as believers? We're meant to replicate heaven mm. wherever the we kingdom are. Of, the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So most of us aren't in the spiritual shape to to do that right, right now so ecclesia is also training ground it's also hospital it's also uh, actually those, those are pretty good uh metaphors yeah. um and sufficient for now yeah um uh, it's a training ground it's a hospital because we all have wounds, guys. Not that we want to focus on them, but we want to get healed so that we can grow and go. Right. Because out there we go into battle, and we, though we, we have victories, and even through those victories, they tend to yeah they tend to leave wounds, maybe scars, and that's why ecclesia is is that imagery of the hospital for us to you know come together in, in encouragement. Uh, to worship together and um, inviting them because again we're these uh, we're two or more called in in my name there i am also so uh, more important to gather so that the whole the holy spirit can be uh you know present absolutely so amen so yeah guys i mean it's that's what ecclesia is about and then as we're growing, as we're being healed, we take on assignments in our region, in our area. We, <clears throat> that could be something like, as a team, praying against a Planned Parenthood location. Mm. That could be praying over the government mountain in your city or in your state or in your county. That the kingdom would break in there. Mm. and maybe being willing to run for office if that's something that God has for you. And bringing the kingdom of God here. It's that simple. Easy? Yeah. No. 
Simple, yes. <laughs> um, and we have to be in a place of willingness and not just that um, we need to we need to shake ourselves out of the apathy mm. out of the uh, the pew sitting mentality that we've been taught where oh it, it's just for the the full-time missionaries and the and the full-time pastors to, wrong eh, that's all of us guys the 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 fivefold ministry that's talked about in in Ephesians it's all of us we all get to play as John Wimber used to say <laughs> like it's not just the full timers everybody gets to play everybody gets to get out there and find the meat in the street another Wimberism um because that's where where the rubber meets the road is where the growth actually happens because it's one thing to sit here and oh, kumbaya my lord no <laughs> not not that there's anything inherently wrong with that don't get me wrong nothing inherently wrong with that but but we need to work our way through it okay we need to figure out what this actually looks like in our lives and that's something that's best done together that's best done together when when we are operating as fully as we can it will it will shake everything you know because you're going to start seeing change that you never thought would happen you're going to start seeing things like planned parenthood shutting down you're going to see things like um, strongholds in your city falling how about roe v wade falling come on that was a miracle in itself especially with the administration that we had that shouldn't mm -hmm. have happened but it did and how about uh the georgia guidestones falling <laughs> so yeah uh, i believe all of that was ecclesia the... guys mm -hmm. like, i mean yes the church is the church had been praying well not the whole church because the body of lord Christ. knows there is some that way the remnant, the, those who are <laughs> trying to, the, the, those who are trying to live for the Father, trying to grow, awakening to His truth. Those are the ones that God was listening to. Those who are trying to expose the enemy, to fight against the battle against the enemy in the spirit. So yes, that is the ecclesia. That we are, we are called for so much more, guys. We're not just called to sit in a pew and listen to a, a sermon, though inspiring. Don't get me wrong, though inspiring and could and could be, make an impact, but we are called for so much more. We're called to be involved, but for, first of all, because it all starts with we are called into a relationship with with an, the Almighty God Yahweh Elohim, and He is and He has made a way that our relationship is restored through His Son Yeshua Hamashiach and Jesus the Christ, and has given us the helper that Jesus mentioned to the disciples that it was important that he go back to his father so that the helper can come into everyone who believes and believes that, um, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So praise the Lord that we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. The, uh, so that we, that we, he, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do his will to um to walk in his ways to think his thoughts and to perform signs and wonders to prove that there is a god so, uh, and to heal the sick to cast out demons to perform miracles prophesy all these things that are of the father he has called us to do 
and and part and, and being a part of the ecclesia that community i help uh, um in making jesus the head of that of, the, of that ecclesia we can figure that we can figure out what he wants for us it, and again it's never going to be easy but he promises that he will be with us if two or more gathered and that he would always be with us until the end of the age so he's gonna he's gonna give us those answers he's gonna provide for us he's gonna he's gonna do what he said he would do you know it's interesting caleb um you put matt and i can include myself in this as well season, the last season that Michael Jordan played with him. But this is the key point of it. That in the lead up to them becoming a good team, even no matter how good Michael Jordan was, they weren't a championship team yet. You need teammates working together. No matter who the champions are, no matter who the role players are, you need everyone working together as a team to be effective. It's not, it, as Matt was saying, it's not just about the man or the woman behind the pulpit that doesn't work it's a team we are all called to play our role to to hear the holy spirit and to do what he's called us to do and as uh, members of the body of christ and as an ecclesia coming together into what he wants us to do uh, uh, what he's got us to give as we all give and do what he's called us to do then we are effective and then we can bring down the strongholds of the enemy and we can be effective at winning the lost we can be effective at demonstrating the power of god through the power of the holy spirit we can be uh, effective in displaying the fruit of the spirit where we're operating in love we're operating in patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and when we're operating fire and we're operating in boldness that's when the gifts start flowing and that's when the body of christ comes together and it's the most effective and i was thinking also earlier about uh, the welsh revival in, in uh, uh, just about 120 odd years ago and a, a, a man got on his knees and and sought the lord for for Wales, and it got it, it was so powerful that they stopped playing sport. They stopped going to the the pub. The, the pub went out of business basically. Uh, and the, the when they were the men were going down the mine shafts, the swear words that they were using previously to, to make the mules work, uh, they wouldn't didn't want to swear anymore because they wanted to honour the Lord. And and the mules, uh, you know, weren't responding because they were so used to all the bad language, and they had to retrain them. And that's an example of an ecclesia or a group of people coming together effective, not just one man, not just one person, but a group coming together and being effective and changing the society. And that is possible when we come together in faith, we come together in love and as a team to do what the Lord has called us to do. Amen. Amen. And I think that's a good... Uh time to wrap it up that um this is good and there and again guys this is there's so much to talk about uh and basically what malcolm addressed everything that you know uh wh what we what we can do with with god's help is be, you know is just like what david did all these you know uh, things that david humanly couldn't couldn't wouldn't be pop wouldn't be possible but because he had the father by his side everything was possible how you know the armies he conquered the just the things that david did it was all because of the father he couldn't have done that by himself but because of david's faith and his love for the father the lord was with him and the mighty men so that hopefully we've given a, a better picture of what um biblical ma manhood should look like and through the example of david through the pros and again also, we learning from his mistakes. We can even learn how to be, you know, how be um, men after God's own heart. 
So there's a, there is a lot more to talk to. We may have a part three, but I don't know. Maybe we'll continue talking about this. Um, but uh, there is, a, for, God, for, for the men who are listening to this, um, there is always a lot to learn. There's always a lot, uh, there's always things to learn when it comes to being a man after God's own heart. Yeah, keep keep this going and um, and and move into uh, other areas of discussion as well. Absolutely. So, guys, thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you for joining. Uh, like I said, you can uh, we're we're on here um, every Wednesday Wednesday morning. I. Uh, if you want to listen to our recording and if you guys are prefer youtube uh, our channel is uh outpouring uh fellowship ecclesia uh youtube channel if you and if you prefer just listening to your favorite pa- podcast pla- uh, platform by all means and uh you, re- you can reach us through the emails that we provided outpouring out underscore fellowship at proton.me my email at caleb.com uh, on true social both of our accounts me on Instagram and um, Matt at um, Telegram. And again, the music that is provided before you is from Indie Folk Background, Kale Productions. Uh, we thank them for we thank them for this um, the music that they've done so that we could use this uh, as for our platform. So guys, uh, tune in next time. Uh, next week, I believe, Matt, uh, we will be having our, our guest, Stevan, returning with us. Mm-hmm. And we will be continuing our discussion on deliverance. So I'm uh, again looking forward to that, Malcolm. Again, thank you for uh, taking the time. I know it's late for you, but t- thank you for taking the time of doing, um, joining us on this podcast, and uh, you know, uh, giving what the Lord has put on your heart. We we love having you here, man. So anyway, guys, again, God bless. Keep your light, uh, shine your light, and keep the faith. Until next time, shalom, shalom.